Welcome to New Life's weekly podcast. New Life is a United Methodist congregation established in 2011 in McChesney Park, Illinois. Worship is weekly at 5.30 p.m. with events ongoing. You can check us out online at www.findnewlifeumc.org and sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. I'm your host, Mark Myers, pastor of New Life, as well as our sister congregation, Sherland United Methodist Church, and our cooperative on-site mission, The Paper Angel Closet. This week's podcast is the third part of our Go Cubs Go series entitled Losing, using passages from Nehemiah chapter 1 through 6, preached on the 21st and 22nd of January 2017. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for all those listening to your word and good news through our podcast this week. Please bless them, encourage them, and help them experience your presence and call on their lives. Send your spirit upon them and help them hear your voice as they go about their week. Amen. In 1985, the Chicago Bears lost only one game in the regular season and went on to win a Super Bowl. They ended the season with a win-loss record of 18 wins and only one loss. In 1996, the Chicago Bulls would set a record for regular season wins that wouldn't be broken until 2016. They won 72 games and only lost 10. They won 15 more games and only lost three in the playoffs and took their fourth NBA championship in six seasons. In 1906, the Chicago Cubs actually held, and still hold, the best regular season record in baseball history with 116 wins and 36 losses. 36 losses is more than twice as many losses as games in an NFL season. It's three times the losses that the Bulls had in 1996 and the Warriors did last year. In 2016, the Chicago Cubs won 103 games, which means they lost 58. Unlike nearly every other professional sport, baseball is a game where you play often and you have to become accustomed to losing. Think about it for a second. The 2016 Chicago Cubs lost one-third of the games they played, and everyone was pretty excited about it. The Chicago Cubs became known as the lovable losers. 108 seasons without a World Series championship. Their last World Series appearance was in 1945. The 2000 and 2000, 2007 and 2008 season saw a glimmer of hope, and the new ownership promised great things. But five losing years would follow the Ricketts' purchase of the team. In those years, 2010 to 2014, the Cubs would lose 464 games. In the same time period, the Chicago Bulls would only play 410 games and the Chicago Bears would only play 80. That's more games lost than other teams played. With that many losses, it's easy for critics to point out how your rebuild isn't going very well, even if you start winning. Now, after five years of losing, the Chicago Cubs began to win in 2015 and made it to the playoffs but ultimately lost the National League Championship Series to the New York Mets. Days after, articles like this one from Matt Schwarher would begin to appear. Opinions on Theo Epstein split after Chicago NLCS loss. By steering the Chicago Cubs to the National League Championship Series in 2015, Theo Epstein's time with the franchise has been considered a success thus far. However, after the team's crushing loss to the Mets in the NLCS, some are jumping off the Epstein bagwagon, while others still fully 
believe. Now the 2016 season started strong, but almost unbelievably so. Mid-season, the team began to slump, and articles like this began to surface. Now Chicago, 52-34, and 34, finds itself mirrored in a losing streak that has reached eight of nine games. The team was soundly defeated by the New York Mets in a four-game sweep last weekend. It hasn't gotten better. The Pirates beat the Cubs 8-4 last night. Now they would recover and clinch their division weeks before the playoffs began. They were on course to win 100 games, but even that kind of winning would be met with pessimism. Philip Bondi of the New York Times would publish this article after the Cubs clinched the NL Central. Sorry Cubs fans, you're probably doomed. The road ahead is likely a brief climb, then a steep downhill plunge. Having clinched the National League Central, the Chicago Cubs will now continue motoring towards a 100-victory season and the best record in the major leagues. Then, in all probability, they will meet their inevitable doom once again. He argues that most teams who won over 100 games in their regular season failed to win the World Series, and historically, he was correct. Even though the Cubs were the best team in baseball, they still lost a lot of games, and they were still considered lovable losers. How could they change that? Now, I listened to a lot of sports radio last year and read a lot of articles relating to the Chicago Cubs. Many of them had to do with our lovable losers. Thankfully, the culture of the Chicago Cubs was changing, and although losing was always part of the game, it would not be the defining characteristic of the Chicago Cubs. During the mid-season slump, Theo Webstein, president of baseball operations, was asked about losing. He responded, Honestly, I think it's sort of baseball reality. It's impossible to win at a pace we were winning early in the season for the whole year. Every team, even championship caliber clubs, go through a month or so where they play 500 or so baseball. And that's what we're doing. I would hear the team's manager, Joe Madden, talk a lot about losing. He established a post-game practice of celebrating a win and grieving a loss. Either way, the expectation was you would get it out of your system and come to the ballpark the next day ready to do it all over again. Losing is part of the game, and losing can make you better if you learn from your mistakes. Now, baseball is a game played almost every day during the months that it is played. Even the best teams lose a lot of games. Even the best teams go through losing streaks. How do they stay focused? How do they recover from losing? First, they learn from their mistakes. Players and coaches review tapes and try to fix what's broken and prepare for the next time they face the teams they lost against. Second, they keep their eyes on the prize. Single games are important. Series are important. Ultimately, winning a division and then winning a World Series is the goal. The Cubs knew they were going to lose. They could not let that define them, however. They had to stay fixed on their goal and play one game at a time. Now in Ezra, we saw how the Israelites returned from exile in Babylon and began to rebuild the temple. We also saw how Ezra came and began to re-teach them about the law God had given through Moses. Rebuilding was a reality, but there were still many obstacles to overcome. That brings us to the book of Nehemiah, which was once one with Ezra. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes. This afforded him a great comfort and great status, but he also worshipped the God of Israel and heard how the rebuild was going. Nehemiah says, they told me, 
those in the province who survived the captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall around Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah 1.3 Nehemiah makes a decision to help the rebuild efforts. He continues, I prayed to the God of heaven and replied, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, please send me to Judah, to the city of my family's graves, so I may rebuild it. That's Nehemiah 2.5. Nehemiah was called and invested in the rebuild. At first, people would be excited. But soon after work began, Nehemiah faced opposition and even losses. Nehemiah 2 continues in verse 17. So I said to them, you see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem is in ruins and its gates are destroyed by fire. Come, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we won't continue to be in disgrace. I told them that my God had taken care of me and also told them what the king had said to me. Let's start rebuilding, they said, and eagerly began the work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Amorite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and made fun of us. What are you doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? The God of heaven will give us success, I replied. As God's servants, we will start building. But you will have no share, right, or claim in Jerusalem. The Israelites could rebuild the temple, but without walls around the city, the temple would be difficult to defend. It would be hard for peace to exist inside the city if anyone could come and go as they pleased. As you can imagine, people of ill repute wanted to stop this wall from being built. Nehemiah lost a few battles along the way. In Nehemiah 4 we read, But in Judah it was said, The carrier's strength is failing, for there is too much rubble. We are unable to rebuild the wall. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know or see anything, we can be in their midst and start to kill them. We'll stop the work. Now the Jews who were living near them came and said to us again and again, you must return to us. In the face of struggles, not only did the Israelites face oppression from enemies, but they faced difficulties from their own. Nehemiah kept his eye on the prize. His vision for war was for the walls to be rebuilt, and he didn't let any one loss stop him from his goal. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu. It took 52 days. When our enemies heard about this, all of the nations around us were afraid, and their confidence was greatly shaken. They knew that this work was completed with the help of our God, Nehemiah 6, 15 and, 6, 15 and 16. The foundation had been laid for the temple. The law had been reestablished. The walls had been rebuilt. The Israelites were close to making their vision a reality. Jerusalem would be restored. So how can we apply Lesson 3, Sometimes We Have to Lose Before We Learn How to Win, to our lives? Well, most of us don't like to lose. I guess we just need to get over that. Sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes things aren't going to go your way. If we keep our eyes on the prize, we may see our vision become a reality. Personally, I don't like to lose. Actually, I hate losing and work very hard to manipulate things in ways so that I don't have to lose. Yet as hard as I try, sometimes I seem to lose. 
When Jennifer and I became foster parents, we had a goal of becoming Selena's foster parents. We did not know if that goal would become a reality. When DCFS moved her from rehab in Chicago to Walter Lawson's here in Loves Park, it seemed like we were off to a winning season. Then she stayed there. Days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. Now we visited her every day and worked with all the wonderful people there, but we wanted to bring her home. Now looking back, it doesn't seem like such a big deal, but for a year and a half that she lived there, it was an uphill battle. We were fighting against well-established organizations and we had very real opposition from her bio biological parents. Jennifer and I went into every meeting and every court day hoping this would be the one that would allow us to bring Selena home. Now I'm not even talking about the process of termination of parental rights and adoption, which we're still in, just the fight to bring her home to live with us. We lost a lot of battles. It would have been easy to give up and resign ourselves to the fact that she was never coming home. But we trusted God and our eyes were fixed on the prize. We didn't give up. Ultimately, she would come home. Not unlike baseball, life is a game of losing and winning. And I don't mean in the Charlie Sheen winning sense. I mean throughout life you will have victories and failures in your work, in your family, and in your personal spiritual journey. Our faith is built upon the idea that we will often lose more than win. That's why we come together weekly in worship. That's why we participate in the means of grace like the Lord's Supper. And God offers us forgiveness and regeneration because sometimes we fail. Sometimes we screw up. Sometimes we sin. God loves us anyway. And God's focus is on the prize, what we can be and how we can partner in building the kingdom of God on earth. The church is no different. We don't want to fail, and sometimes we get so afraid that we never even try to do anything. In doing that, we end up losing. There will always be losses. But as long as we fix our eyes upon Christ and his kingdom, we will ultimately be part of a winning team. We should follow the Cubs' example. When we lose, we should grieve. When we win, we should celebrate. The next day, we should wake up and start fresh. Building the kingdom of God is not a part-time job. It has been the full-time profession of the church for almost 2,000 years. We cannot fixate on our losses or our successes. We need to approach the work of the kingdom and kingdom building fresh each day, always with our eyes fixed. On Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a recording of New Life Ministry. You can learn more about us at www.findnewlifeumc.org and connect with us through our newsletter, Facebook, or Twitter. If you liked what you heard, like our podcast on iTunes or Google Play and share it with your friends. Also consider supporting our paper angel closet, which provides toiletries and personal care items to homeless and at-risk youth, foster families and children, the families of those diagnosed with cancer, refugee families, and families in need in our community. Donate online or drop off items at New Life UMC, 8301 Mitchell Road, McChesney Park, Illinois, 6111. Five. Worship is Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. Until next week, live knowing that you are a beloved child of God in heaven. Challenge yourself to share that love with all those you meet wherever you go. And realize that with the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ's body, the church, you can make a difference in your community and the world. Amen. <laughs>